Hi, I'm Matt Ward, and welcome to episode 11 of the Running Industry Podcast. Continuous improvement is so important to me. I'm never more than 80% happy with any event, and I always want new stuff for the next year. I think the day that your event doesn't have something new for the following year is the day it starts to die. Um, and I think you need to continually challenge yourself. There's always something new in running. So why would there never be anything new at the, at the running show? Yes, we're back for season two. And in this episode, I'll be speaking to Mike Seaman, the CEO of Raccoon Events, the team behind the National Running Show. But as we enter 2021 in another lockdown, the flagship January show is just not meant to be. So we'll speak to Mike about the year that's gone by, how he and the Raccoon Events team coped, and how important events are for business and the health and well-being of the running nation. I want to do events because actually I think our events are important and I think they're really important for the community to get together. We talk about stuff at the running show that that doesn't really get talked about anywhere else and it's an opportunity for sharing experiences, it's it's talking openly about mental health issues and yeah, I think if we don't run those events, that's, that's a problem. So as ever, a massive thanks to our guest this week, Mike Seaman, who I think you'll find is realistic but optimistic about raccoon events and how they have some great plans for the future that stretch around the world. Remember, you can follow us on social media at Run Industry and check us out on the website at www.runningindustrypodcast.com. For now, though, on with the show and this week's guest... Mike Seaman. Thank you very much for joining me on the Running Industry Podcast today, Mike Seaman. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. We're uh, we're sat on Zoom, as many people are these days. I guess we should start, though, Mike, with the inevitable question as to how things have been for you in the most trying of years in 2020. I, I <laughs> good question. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess the same as everybody. It's, it's been an up and down year. It's been a bit of a roller coaster year. I mean, look, lockdown in the summer was fantastic. Spending time with the family. Um, I've run better than I ever have this year. I've, I've done, you know, done some good miles and done a lot of cross training and, and things like that. I've learned new skills like using Zoom. Um, and so it, in, in those ways, really good. I think I, I, I'm a very, um, I love people and I love like human interaction. And so I have missed that. Um, you know, I'm really lucky that I've got some good friends that I run with quite a lot. Um, but yeah, so that, that's been fun. And I guess, you know, the real, the amazing, I've, I've done some wicked things. Like I've, my daughter learned to ride a bike in the summer and I got to see that. And if I'd have been working, I would have missed that. You know, I spent some great time with my son as he's, you know, just as his first year going into school. So that's been really cool. Um, I think business wise, it's, it's you know it's been rocky um i think you know i always run like three plans like a best plan a middle plan and a worst plan um and we consistently were defaulting to the worst plan and then the worst of the worst of the worst so um but i think we've gone through that now and actually we're starting to see 
you know, some some sort of green shoots of optimism, which is nice. Um, but yeah, I, I, everybody's had the same thing, and it's 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 a really strange question at the moment. How are you? Because no one's had a good year. I suppose looking at the raccoon events business as coronavirus took hold, as it were. I'm guessing that, you know, along with much of the running world in the events world in 2020, your calendar was pretty much decimated after March. Yeah, it was funny, really. So we, we ran the, the, the National Running Show in Birmingham in January, and that, that was brilliant. That was, that was the first year where I, I, was, I was almost happy. I'm never happy, but I was almost happy. I felt like we'd actually delivered a really good show and people were really positive. Um, and then we were about to go into the National Running Show in London in June. And when this coronavirus hit, I remember in, in sort of early February, we started to hear about it from our contacts in China. Um, and we were all just a bit like, oh, it's, you know, it's nothing. It's a bit like when, when SARS hit and we were all really worried about it in the events industry and then it never actually came over to, to sort of Europe. So it, it didn't really have a huge impact. So you sort of default to that previous experience and assume it's not going to get to you. Um, then obviously it, we realized really quickly how serious it was. Um, very quickly realized that the run show in, in June wasn't going to happen. Um, so we, we had to cancel that. And it was, it was really important to me that there were all these, there were obviously a lot of people are paid to take stands at that show. And if we weren't going to run the show, I felt that we should give them their money back. And I felt that was quite an obvious thing to do, but there, there were some exhibition organizers were saying, no, no, you don't do that. You hold it as a cancellation fee. And I was like, well, that's weird. Uh, no. So we didn't. We refunded all the money. So it cost us a lot of money. Um, and then I wanted to do stuff because I felt it was going to be over and done with quickly. So I wanted to do like really, I wanted to do something positive. Um, so we ran a digital event on the same dates when we would have run the London running show. We called it the digital running show. And it was, it was okay. Um, we had like brilliant speakers. The content was amazing, but you know, you, you can't have, I, I always say you can't have high fives and hugs online. And like, I think the running show is, is a, that's a big part of it. Um, but it was great. We did something and it, it helped some of the brands because they were struggling to, because a lot of the brands have really suffered, particularly race organizers. Um, I'll come on to that in a minute, but, um, so actually it gave them a connection point to our runners. And we did this thing called the national running club where we basically for six weeks, we just, used our email database, which is quite big now. And we just gave it for free to all of the brands. And we said, look, just advertise on here for free. Um, cause they needed help. They weren't getting the sales that they needed. So it felt like we were doing really constructive, positive things. At that point, there was a go live date of the 1st of October. And that was when events were going to come back. So we knew that our running show wasn't going to be until January. So we felt fine. We'd pushed it back to February just to be safe. Um, and we had another event in uh, scheduled for March in, in 2021. Um, and then just before the October the 1st deadline came around, uh, and an announcement came out from the government and it said, yeah, October the 1st isn't happening. And um, it's probably not going to be until spring. We're like, well, hang on. That, that's quite a big change. <laughs> and, you know, we'd done, you know, we'd, we, we were prepared. We had, you know, cash reserves and all of that stuff. And, but we, we put everything in to work into those deadlines. And then when it became clear that actually 2021 at that point seemed risky all the way through, I was like, well, we, we, we don't have enough money. Cause I was very, I was, if I wasn't going to run an event, I was going to give everyone their money back or, or give them the option to, if they wanted to do another show, great. But if they wanted their money back, they could have it. That's, 
that's like ethics. Yeah. So I thought we would really struggle at that point, and it was that was really difficult. But then we went out to market. We raised some money uh, through. We brought in two new investors, both of whom know the running community, know the events community, love what we're about, and shared our sort of vision for where when events do come back, where it could go. So we we raised the money to to keep the business, um, which then sort of by bringing in these two new people, they also came in with new ideas. So they let, helped us like launch loads of stuff. So we've actually spent lockdown launching new events. <laughs> so we launched, uh, so we've got, we'd previously launched the National Outdoor Expo, which that'll trade in March, but then we launched the National Snow Show. So that happens next October. And then we launched the Running Show USA in Boston. Uh, and we've got some big plans for America now as well. So it's been a real roller coaster business wise um and it's and it still is um i do quite a lot of work with the association of exhibition organizers so i chair the uk organizer group of that organization and um they do a lot of work lobbying government about how to bring events back but bring them back safely um i've spent so much time getting on zoom calls trying to understand the new rules and how you can make things safe i know so much about rapid testing uh, for events that I never thought I would need to know. Um, but yeah, all, all of this stuff gets thrown in and it's just really hard to plan. And then on top of that, you've got like a real responsibility. So you've, you've got a responsibility to your, the, your team. There's, there's 12 of us that work in the business now. They've all got families. They all work incredibly hard. You know, they're not all full-time workers. They're all flex time. But, you know, it's really important to me that we protected them. We protected their jobs. I wanted to not... You know, I wanted to make sure that the exhibitors and sponsors, you know, if they'd spent money, that they would get it back. And and I want to do events because actually I think our events are important. And I think they're really important for the community to get together. You know, we talk about stuff at the running show um, that, that doesn't really get talked about anywhere else. And it's an opportunity for community. It's it hugs and high fives. It's sharing experiences. It's, it's talking openly about mental health issues and how running could be a coping mechanism in some cases. And um, yeah, I think if we don't run those events, that's, that's a problem. So I had all of this going on. Um, so it was, it was, it was a topsy turvy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just about to say, Mike, in, you know, rewinding five minutes and you saying, well, it was the same, you know, as everybody. <laughs> it certainly wasn't the same for you guys. And I suppose kudos to you for, you know, the word pivot, which gets used loads, doesn't it? You know, you haven't pivoted the business, but you had to really think on your feet and think, right, how can we keep this going? Because I suppose if, if I'm to look at an, a business and an organization in, let's say, you know, the era of coronavirus, that outside of, say, a race event, you know, your event, the events industry, as I used the word decimated, but it just nothing could happen. And that whole, like say, high fives and hugs, people meeting up, people you haven't seen for a year. How's it going? How's the business going? How's the conversations you have at the running show, as well as inspiring runners, inspiring people, showing them new kit and all that. You just couldn't do any of it. No. And, and to be honest, it's, so the events industry, we, a lot of people don't really know much about the events industry and exhibitions, but actually the UK runs most of the global events. They're actually run from the UK. Um, my old job, I used to, I was saying to you earlier, I used to run you know, conferences all over the world, but they were we were headquartered here, and you know, I think three of three of the three of the biggest organisers are actually headquartered in the UK. It's like it's worth like eighty four billion pounds a year to the UK economy. Wow, we're a massive sector, but no one really knows what we are. If you say you work in events, everyone thinks you organise weddings. Um, 
And, and unfortunately, they just, it was, they weren't able to trade. There was no specific support. It was, it was barely even talked about. And actually, kudos to organizations like the AEO, the Association of Exhibition Organizers, who have raised the profile of events. And it, it does now have an all parliamentary, all party parliamentary group again, or that been shut down before. But, and, and it is being talked about. And there are specific measures of support now being introduced to ensure that events can come back safely. Um, but yeah, I, some of the colleagues that I've worked with, and I've been doing this for 18 years, um, I mean, at my LinkedIn over over the period of the second lockdown was was like a bloodbath. It was just continuously people losing their jobs. And there are literally, I, I think there was a survey that came out that said 100,000 jobs would go in the events industry because of what's happened. And that's no one's fault. Nobody meant for this to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a real human cost to it. Um, and it, and it's really sad. Um, but fortunately for, for us, we've managed, I think partly because of the sectors we operate in and, and look, lockdown has been brilliant for getting people outside and active. Um, you can't look out of your window at the moment without seeing people out there going. And, it, and a lot of those people are new market entrants. A lot of those people are doing more. And, and I think that's great. Um, and, so hopefully we'll you know we'll come out of this a bit stronger, maybe scarred, but a little bit a little bit better, maybe I don't know. We'll see. Well, it's the old saying, isn't it? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, and I think that you know from what you've talked about there as well, you know, is that you've probably built a resilience within your company, within the business, and within I suppose the whole team as to you know we get through this. And you look, I guess we'll all look back in years to come and go, God, do you remember twenty twenty? I have to credit the guys in this business. So when um, the October the 1st deadline went before we'd raised the money and when I was really worried, I got up and spoke to the guys and I said, look, the, the sands have changed and actually this is, you know, this, this has been pretty heart-wrenching and I got a bit emotional because this is more of the business to me. It's like it's my hobby and my job. It's, it, of course. It, it's just so important to me. And I got up and I said, look, I don't, I don't know where we're going to be tomorrow. And I went and sat in an office just to get some like headspace. And after about half an hour, um, the first one of them came in and offered to work for free. Then the second one came in and offered to work for free. And wow. with no prompting, they weren't talking to each other. And because they believe in what we're doing, they, they think it's important. They love it here. And actually, I thought that there was no, that, I mean, it was kind of extra pressure then because I was like, I've really got to sort this out now. Um, but actually it just shows that if you, you know, we, 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 we're all like a little family here. We all try and look out for each other and, you know, we, we believe in flexible working. We be, we believe in flexible management and, you know, treating people like grownups. And I, I just, I was never, I'm never prouder of these guys and how they've, how they've been so resilient and able to adapt in the most trying of times in the most trying of businesses. Um, and they've stayed, positive and kept us going. I mean, they're just awesome. They've done really well. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's really great to hear. And just adding on to that, I know you talked about the Association of Exhibition Organisers. You also, to top it off, I suppose, you got a couple of awards. Yeah, I, and that was that was awesome. And that was really nice. We we So the AEO Awards is kind of like the Oscars in the events industry. No one outside of the events industry knows what it is. It doesn't mean anything to you. But to me and to my mum, who now thinks I've won the Oscars, uh, it, it, it was like, it was huge. So we, we won Best Innovation um, for our sustainability initiatives. And I'm, I'm, I've got a 
big B in my bonnet about sustainability and exhibitions. And we've, we've come a long way in recent years to make exhibitions more sustainable. Um, they, they weren't at all in the past, but they, people are now talking about everything's recycled and reused, et cetera. But I believe we can go further and I think we should go further. Um, I want to make our business carbon neutral inside three years. Um, and I don't want to just do that by offsetting. Um, offsetting is a really easy plaster for your conscience. Plant a few trees and make yourself feel better. Um, I believe that the, the future is in setting where you actually thoroughly examine everything that you buy, everything that you do, how you move, how you speak to your customers, and you try and reduce the original consumption. And then at the end of that, you offset what's left. Um, and, and that's why it's a three-year program as opposed to just going and plant a load of trees this year. Um, and, and so we, we did some stuff at the show, which you may or may not have seen. We did some some stuff that was a little bit out there. So we, we swapped the central cafe to vegan food only. Um, we, we still had a, another cafe which where people, if they, if they wanted other choices, they could have them. But it wasn't really to force people to eat vegan. It was just to encourage people to think about... Um, I'm not a vegan, um, but it was just to encourage people to think about what they're eating and, and where it comes from and the, potentially the environmental impacts. And then we, we use recycled um, show guys. We use recycled uh, bags for the goodie bags. We used um, uh, recyclable and compostable bags. Um, and then we used we did offsets for all of our travel and things like that. And so we won an award for that, which is cool. Um, I don't think we should because actually I don't think we've got to the end yet. Um, I think we need, once we get to carbon neutral, I think then it will deserve an award. But I guess actually at the moment, it, no, it's lovely to win one. I don't, I'm not going to give it back. Uh, it was, but then the other one that we won was the best consumer show. And I find that mad because this, this idea, I mean, I've, I've been doing exhibitions for years and the idea for the running show came back when I, I did my first marathon, which was a long time ago. And went to an expo it was the day before the race and it was brilliant i loved it it was amazing it was like exciting and all of this stuff and cool trainers and all the nutrition you could ever possibly need and but it was just at the wrong time and for me i felt that the day before my race i didn't didn't want to be in there Mm. because actually all we want to do the day before a marathon is eat pasta not get injured and get some sleep and you don't get you, you don't get any sleep, so you know you just lie at home panicking and trying not to trip over stuff. Um, so I didn't, I I couldn't fully engage with the event, and I just kind of had it in my head that wouldn't it be great to do that at the start of the season? Um, so you could try all the kit, you could integrate it into your training plan. Um, so if you buy tra- buy shoes, you can actually run in them, so that you should never try anything new on race day. We all know that, so that was that was kind of the plan. Um, and it was just one of those ideas. And I used to like talk about it in the car every time there'd be a long car journey. You know what I'd do if I did this? Yeah. I'd do this and la la la. And I just remember one car journey, my wife just basically just turned to me and said, will you just shut up and do it? Everybody needs a partner to say stuff like that, Mike. You know that. Well, she tells me to shut up quite a lot, but she doesn't normally tell me to do stuff. <laughs> but I mean, she, she deserves all of the credit because I quit. I had a safe corporate job. We had two young kids. Um, I, I quit the job. I, I, the business, we've got an office now, but you know, for the first three years we're in a shed in my garden and it, and it really was a shed. And the first year we had an air conditioning unit and a heating unit that would only make one half of you the temperature that it wanted to. So in the winter, you'd be like boiling on the back and like freezing on the front. <laughs> 
yeah, just to spin around on like a rotating chair. But it was, and that's where we were. And like to go from that to winning the best consumer show. Because presumably you're up against, you know, I don't know, the, the gadget show, the... Like the B- the BBC Good Food show. Like, yeah, I mean, it's just like proper shows that people, people have been... And then it was like just little old me who just came up with this silly idea about a running show. And yeah, it was, it was wicked. For me, it was like, it's probably one of the, my proudest moments career-wise to get the best consumer show. Um, and I'm continually amazed that this is a real business because this is... This is my hobby. Um, I, I just didn't want to annoy everybody. I remember when we did the first running show, it was like, I promised everybody that we we're going to get all these people there. We'd signed up loads of visitors. And if, if it hadn't have been my, my hobby, because I love running, um, and if it hadn't have been my hobby, I would have been like, yeah, this is going to be a great show. It's fine. But I didn't think anyone was going to come. I slept like an hour the night before. I woke up and it was snowing. And you're like, all right, that's 10% off my visitor number. And I couldn't look at any of the exhibitors. So you come in through, we, we get in an hour before the visitors are allowed in and we like walk around. So I couldn't look at anyone. And they're going to blame you. Yeah. And they're, they're all going to hate me. And I only did this because I wanted to, you know, I genuinely believed it would be great. And I was like, I was like rehearsing all my apologies. And then I, I, I passed my wife and she went, just go to the front, just go to the front. So I went to the registration and there were three and a half thousand people in the queue waiting for us to open the doors on a Saturday morning in the snow. And I was like, wow, this is like, and I literally, I could have cried. And the worst one was the second year though. Um, so obviously I, yeah, straight, straight at the end. I, I think a lot of people have tried to do running shows before, but they've been small and actually for, for it to work because we don't, we don't buy big things. Um, like we're not like cyclists who spend thousands on a bike. We, we, we spend good money on a, like a watch and trainers and things like that. But, you know, comparatively when you're running an exhibition, it's quite, it's quite expensive to organize an exhibition and do all the marketing to get all the people there. Um, so it's clear to me from the start that it was go hard or go home. It had to be big. Um, so we went for the NEC, we signed Kelly Holmes, which I did out of my own money. (laughs) Uh, from a shed at the end of my garden. And I was like, this is going to, this is like everything I've got is in this business. Um, so anyway, the first year was great. And then the second year, obviously I had these expectations of this massive queue, um, like people waiting for us to open the door. And I got there a bit earlier than I had before. So I got there at eight o'clock and there was like 20 people in the queue. And I was, I was then like, this was the second one now. Yeah. The second one. And I was like, no, no one's, no one's come oh no now everyone's gonna hate me and i was just like i was like walking around and the security guard the pj i've become really good friends with him now he works at the nec um he just went chill out go get a coffee i'm back it'll be fine he's seen a few events mike yeah yes and and he and he was so i mean he's this massive bloke and he was just so nice to me and i was just like everyone's gonna hate he's like go get a coffee i went and had a coffee i came back and there were loads of people there and and it was all fine. And I blooming love PJ. He's such a lovely man. And yeah, he, and he's my good luck charm now. He's done all of our shows ever since. And it's grown now to be, it's, it's firmly on the calendar, isn't it? I mean, it's really in terms of races and so on. You've got the London Marathon, you've got the Great North Run, et cetera. And I think the National Running Show now is becoming part of the, let's call it the event psyche. When I look at the, you know, a kind of flagship event throughout the year. I hope so. And and that it's just crazy saying that because I, I never really thought that would happen. Um, 
it was yeah, it was just I, I just thought it was a good idea to get everybody together and I, I kind of I, I designed something that I wanted as a runner um, and we're continually trying to evolve it to make sure we access new runners and things like that yeah it, it kind of is now and actually we what we had in, in the event in January was actually brands really engaged they were doing product launches at the show and they, they've actually started to release new ranges at the event and they did Sort of special colorways that you could only get if you bought it at the event and things like that, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Um, and we've got that. So we've, we've got another one because, because obviously January is great to kick off the season. It's like new year, new me, everybody's starting again, but actually there's also a, a significant autumn season, which is why we did the June show. So the idea being is that if we sit three months ahead of when most of the races are, so, you know, that, that sort of June, September period, um, sorry, the sorry, April, September period. So you're in January and June, um, then it, it kind of works. So yeah, I mean, brands are engaging with it. We, you know, we've got really good relationships with all of our customers. And I think, I think they've appreciated our approach, which is, you know, there's, there's some organizers that, you know, aren't as integrated in the community. Whereas we, you know, we really do care. It's not, you know, we're not doing this to make loads of money. Um, we're doing this because we just think it's awesome. And, and I think things like, you know, the addition of things like, you know, the Ultra Stage with Dave Hellard and Bad Boy Running and the speakers, you know, I, in one of my previous lives, I, I worked in the bike industry for a number of years. And, you know, the, the, the bikes, as you mentioned, you know, the bike shows and things like Eurobike, which is out in Germany and stuff, yeah, these things are mega. And I, I always used to think at those events, you know, that the, the speaker aspect was as important to some to the community as just going to have a look at because let's be honest you can go and have a look at a nice shiny cannondale or something like that or a new trek in your local store or whatever in those days you could anyway but seeing that cyclist seeing that speaker seeing that that hero for want of a better word might in the flesh was so important and the stages were packed and i think that you've kind of that's really become a, an integral part hasn't it I think the speakers have been amazing and, and it all goes back to Kelly Holmes who's our first speaker and she was so good and she spent so much time with people. And what we didn't want to do was just put them on a stage and then slide them out of a back door so you'd never see them. So with all of our speakers and we, we, we sign them to do it, we pay the money to be there, but um, we also ask that they do a meet and greet afterwards where they actually sign autographs. You can get your picture taken with them. And actually that's, that's become weirdly a lot a marketing initiative for us now because every year as the show comes up, people show who they were with last year, the pictures of the different celebrities and stuff. I think it's really cool. Like, you know, we, I, I, Dean Conaz is, I read his book and it, and it changed the way I thought about running. It made me run my first ultra and it was, it was so inspiring to me. And when he came to the show, I mean, I played it cool, but I was like a little bit starstruck and I was like, I was like, can I can I get a photo? Uh, it was like it's just for PR purposes. It's not 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 because I think you're a legend. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, and I and I think actually a lot of the runners feel the same about that. And I, I think it's not being scared of like selling runner stuff. We actually all want to buy stuff. So the exhibition stands are big features because we want to see the latest trainers. We want to know what the new gadgets are. We want to try new things in nutrition. We're all trying to evolve our our ability as runners, try new things, learn new stuff. So the exhibition is just as important as the stage, but actually if you're going to do the stage, you've got to make sure a, the stories are interesting and, you know, and interesting to all types of runners. 
um, which is kind of why we've got the ultra stage, but we've also got the running skills and, and the inspiration stage. Um, is I, we set out a couple of things when we set this up, and it's the first: if you if you take a step out the door, then you're a runner, and this should be the place where you're covered. And it's no matter how far or fast you go. Um, so that was with those two things in mind, we try and design the content, the exhibition floor to like cater for all of running. It's hard. You can't always cover everything, but I think we've got pretty good coverage at the moment. You're listening to the Running Industry Podcast with me, Matt Ward, and this week's guest, Mike Seaman of Raccoon Events. Remember, we've also got a Patreon page. So if you want to help us along the way, we'd be really grateful of any support via Patreon. Links are in the show notes and on the website at runningindustrypodcast.com. Reviews and ratings also help the podcast, so it would be amazing if you could give us a little review or a rating. And of course, make sure that you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You know, I almost forgot to ask Mike, how did you come up with the Raccoon Events name? <laughs> uh, so Raccoon Events is, so when we were on honeymooning, we, we, went, we were lucky enough to go to Costa Rica for our honeymoon. Very nice. It's the most amazing place I've ever been. And we were on the beach and there was this rule where you don't, um, uh, you're not supposed to take food in your backpacks because all the people would leave their backpacks on the beach and go swimming and then the raccoons would come and savage their backpacks. And obviously all the, there were a lot of people who had left food in the backpacks, completely ignored the rules. And so these little raccoons were just sat at the side of the beach, running down, savaging the backpacks, eating all the food and then legging it back into the bushes. And we, we, we were watching this as brilliant entertainment for me and my wife. Uh, and I was just, when raccoon came up, because it was partly a tribute to my wife, because it was her that made me do it. And it was partly, it was just like, well, you know, we're, we're not like a real company. We weren't, you know, we were just like sneaking around in the back and like nicking food out of people's backpacks. And it was, and, and that kind of, it just felt really appropriate to us. Um, and it stands out and it's something different and cool. And like everybody remembers it now. And it, yeah, so it's, it's, it's kind of all three. It's, a, it's definitely a tribute to my wife because I would never set up the business without her telling me to. Um, but yeah. There we go. And we won't go into too much of the detail about you wearing a raccoon suit on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, that was when we, yeah, when we started the, uh, the business, I thought it'd be really cool to do a load, to raise awareness of the brand. I thought it'd be really cool to run around in a, in a raccoon suit and do like half marathons and marathons in it. So there's a six foot four guy running around in a raccoon suit made for a five foot eight guy. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was all about branding. <laughs> Yeah, the things you do for a business. One of your most um, recent additions is the Run Show USA. I was uh, really interested when I read, read this news. Due to take place in Boston in Jan 22, guest speakers such as the legend, you've already mentioned him, Dean Carnassus, and, and people like Carl Lewis. That's pretty exciting. I can see you smiling. <laughs> it's so cool. Um, when when we set up the Run Show, because I've, I've run global event businesses before and i was like we could do one of these all over in every major city all over the world um as long as we follow the same premise of like community-led running event and the right time for the runners to choose and buy stuff um but we were we were running a business that was operating out of a shed in my garden so it was just an idea um and then one of the investors that we brought in um, back in the autumn uh, is very experienced in the US market and said, look, actually, you know, we, sh- we should do this. Um, 
Um, so we are. Uh, so our first event in will be Boston, January 22. We would like to have five run shows in the US in the next three years. Wow. And that is, we've, we've got a guy on the ground out there who is well connected. He's been involved in B2B running events for some time and he's helping us get in touch with people. We've just signed a retail partnerships with Marathon Sports who are like the, the key retailer in, in the Boston area. They're amazing. They're very specialist. They share our vision as to creating an event that's like start a season premium, not end line clearance. Um, and they're just really nice guys and they know running. So yeah, that's, we've, we've sold the first stands. We've got like a load of partners in and it's in January 22 and I'm talking to you in December 2020, but that's how far ahead we're working. We're already, we've already got the second one pretty much nailed. Um, so that will be in June 22. Um, so yeah. And, and then we want to go the other way as well. We think there's some opportunities in Europe. Um, we're at quite late stages with one country that we could do one in. And I think that's the important thing is we want to, we know how to do it now. We've just got to be bold and go out there and get it. And it's, it's, it's exciting. It, wouldn't it be cool if we had a run show all over the world? I mean, it'd be wicked. Absolutely fantastic. And, you know, with that Boston show as well, it's almost like, you know, one of the, one of the most, uh, you know, historic and oldest big city marathons, you know, that whole, what a city to be holding it in as well. Well, yeah. And for the first one, we wanted to go East Coast to start with because obviously we're managing, you know, we're a small team here, we're not millions of us. And mm. we knew we had a guy on the ground out there, but we also wanted to manage some of it from here. Uh, so we thought, well, East Coast because of the time difference and then which really leads you New York or Boston. And it's just, it's obviously Boston if it's running. Right? It's uh, You've got to start with Boston. So yeah, it just felt quite natural. I mean, we did all of the research and all that kind of stuff. And actually there's a lot of brands based there. The running community seem to really want it. Um, there's nothing like it out there at the moment. So yeah, Boston it is. And it's, you know, it's just, I mean, it's, I really want to go there and I'm hoping I get to run Boston Marathon as a result of this because that'd be cool, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You might even get a free entry. You never know. <laughs> I doubt it. It's impossible to get in. It's <laughs> yeah. a tough one to get into that is, Mike, I tell you. Raccoon events, it doesn't stand still. You, I, can, I can see that. I can feel that in your energy and in your kind of, you know, your desire to, to just create a difference, but also to, to build and build and build. Um, do you have a vision for the next sort of decade, I suppose? Do you, would you, um, would you, you know, is it is it sports and events and I know the you know it's well being is part of the the business but um what what's your kind of like I, w- I wouldn't say your ten year plan that's a long way but especially in, in twenty twenty you know six months is a long time um what's the kind of vision for the for the raccoon events business I mean we're always working three years ahead which is mad to think of because we have to um, but we we want to stay very squarely health and well being um, we we see that as our space I don't want to get distracted into other markets because there's loads of stuff that we could do but it wouldn't be as fun um and you know i i like i like all the sectors that we're in i think they're really they're really cool um so i think that's important uh, i think in terms of how the business grows i think all of our products could be we call it geo cloned or geo adapted so where where we could take them into different locations all around the world and that is very much the plan i think also continually evolving each product and continuous improvement is so important to me. I'm never more than 80% happy with any event. And I always want new stuff at the next year. I think the day that your event doesn't have something new for the following year is the day it starts to die. Um, and I think you need to continually challenge yourself. There's always something new in running. 
So why would there never be anything new at the at the running show? Mm-hmm. You know, there's loads of you know we've just added ultra and trail, which are big growth markets. You know, we really need to get into that couch to five k market a bit more. I think that's you know that that sort of gateway into running and encouraging new market entrants. There's there's so many cool feature ideas and things like that, that we can come on. So I hope in ten years I'm still doing this. Um, I think hopefully the business is bigger. I think. Uh, hopefully all the people in the company share the same values that we have now. I think we've, we've very much recruited based on people that you would, you would want to go for a run with or go for a beer with, um, and people who share our morals and our values. Um, and I'd, I'd, I'd hope that if we do get bigger, that the people that we bring in still look like that. Um, we might have offices overseas. We are thinking about setting an office up in the States. Um, again, that's terrifying because <laughs> it's like, um, but actually, you know, we, we probably need it now. We're probably getting to that size, um, which is just crazy. Um, and I, I sometimes have to pinch myself. I mean, I, the good thing is I've built a really good management team around me now and they're, they're sort of very experienced industry veterans. So they're, they're pushing for these new steps and these next big things. And I, sometimes I go, well, hang on, two years ago, we were in a shed. Um, yeah. and it's just, let's all just calm down. Um, but actually, we, we seem to be hitting all of the opportunities. I think there's, I've got another event that I'd like to launch next year, um, which is in a new sector. Um, and then, yeah, just taking it all over the world. Wow. It uh, sounds like you're going to have your hands full, but exciting times, Mike. Just going back to what I was saying, you know, I think what you've done with the running show, the national running show is absolutely fantastic. And I think if, the, if that's for me, if that's a template or if that's a kind of like, you know, a, uh, a vision of how other shows would be, then they're only going to be brilliant. So well done to you and all of the team, of course, for for delivering that. I suppose looking more generally, Mike, at the you know the running industry landscape, should we say, in terms of events and races, brand marketing, how retailers work, you've got a, a, a good vision on everything because you meet lots of people within those industries. What are your kind of thoughts on it at the moment? Um, I think it's... I- I think actually some people have had quite good years. I think um, e-commerce has, has done very well for people. Um, I, I think it's just going to come back. Um, I, I don't think this is a, a natural evolution of the industry. I think this is an enforced change, like a like a war. Um, and, I, and I think people still people really have missed the opportunity to meet and go to races and events. And you know, I've, I've actually been lucky enough to do a couple of events this year. And I think you know. People are just so excited to be out running with other runners, even if it's phase starts and social distancing and hand hand wash it and all the aid stations and all that stuff. Mm. But I think races in particular have increased in value um, to runners, and I think we all understand. We, we maybe we I, I certainly took some of them a little bit for granted. Um, so I think they're you know they're they're very important. I think the brands continue to innovate, um, continue to bring new stuff to market. And I think that's great. I think there's a need for specialist advice. Um, I do think it's really important for runners to speak to someone who actually knows about running when they're buying a shoe. I, I think driving to the bottom on price is, is, is probably not the right thing. I think there are, it is expensive to buy really good shoes. I mean, some of these new shoes are out of this world expensive, but you know, they, they do give you the right benefits, but it's, it's more important that you get a shoe that fits you. And I always get this question, which is like, Oh, what's the best running shoe? And it's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> depends, <laughs> depends on you. It depends on what you're running on and how you, how you feel. Like 
go and get it fitted. And I think that the problem is, is specialist retail is really struggling. Um, and I think those, if, if you are lucky enough to have a running shop in your local area, that's like a specialist running shop, support it because we need those guys. Cause actually they, you know, they deliver quality advice. They encourage new market entrants to come in and try stuff. They will help us grow the industry that we love. Um, I think those guys are really important and need our help. And we always try and partner with specialist running shops rather than sort of just generalist sports shops. Um, but in terms of where the industry goes, I think it's exciting. I mean, participation in running has gone through the roof. Um, you know, even with park run not taking place, we know that more people are running. I think there's a stat on people running their first 5K in April last year about like somewhere just, just shy of a million new people running their first 5K in April. It's incredible, isn't it? Like, I, you know, that's wicked for us. All of us that are actually employed in the running industry, we need to capture those people and inspire them to not give it up, you know, be more active. You know, when, when they've got their three-hour commute back that they didn't have before, you know, can we encourage them to run part of it? Can we, can we do more? And I think actually this is a big bugbear of mine for the running industry as an industry is that we don't shout about how great we are. I think running is really accessible. I think a lot of people have access to a pair of trainers and a safe place to run. It's quite a low barrier to entry in terms of cost. Um, and actually, I think we should be encouraging more people to run. And I see how well that other industries like cycling manage lobbying and the creation of cycleways and things like that. And, I, and there is no running association or running group that, that gets everybody together to, to push that agenda. And I, I think there should be, you know, why don't we have run trails into, into major cities and more work on running routes? I mean, we've, we're very lucky with the trail routes that we have. Uh, you know, I've got some pretty good ones near me and I know you have too. Um, but yeah, I, th- I just think there could be more done as an industry to sort of push that cause. Maybe we need someone, you know, in the bike industry, they've got Chris Boardman. Maybe we need someone like him running, you know, I don't know, somebody like, you know, an, an ex-great um, male or female who can get out there and, and bang the drum for running. Yeah. I think I think there should be, and I think there's some there's some great people in you know in the industry who you know I I, I bang on about this a lot, and I've, I've suggested it to a lot of people, and I, and I think some people might do some work on this soon. I hope so, because um, I think running is awesome, and I think more people should do it. Yeah, it's, it's a, and you know I think what's become quite transparent as well is in in lockdown is some people are now using it as for want of a better word mode of transport. You know, people are using it to get places and obviously workplaces and commutes are obviously a difficult thing outside of cities. But I think that's got to be seen as well as, you know, it actually gets, helps us get from A to B in a healthy way. Yeah, which is less polluting. And, you know, you don't need to put much infrastructure in place to encourage people to run. You just need to showers and, and things like that. So people, you know, feel comfortable when they get to the other end. And that's, that's not particularly hard in comparison to creating a blooming great cycle lane and all of this stuff. And so I, for me, I, I feel like it, it could be an opportunity as a mode of transport as, as well as all the other benefits. Yeah, exactly. And, and I suppose a quick question as well, finally, on you know the future recreationally and competitively. Um, how do you see that unfolding? Because obviously you mentioned part run, but also Capture 5K, which is more about just people getting out and doing it. How do you see that balance coming on between how people go from, let's say, from the very beginners right the way through to the pinnacle of the sport? Um, I, that's a good question and, and probably not one I'm qualified to answer. I think my view has always been it's, it, it's a hopper and the more people you put in at the top, the, the more come out of that sort of very elite end. So if you look at 
things like Parkrun, which are great in terms of making things accessible and free. There's organizations like Kids Run Free and the Junior Parkrun stuff, which, and, and obviously the Daily Mile, which encourage sort of running at a young age and make it accessible for all levels and all abilities. Then I think actually, if you do that, then what that does is it naturally in, makes it popular, which then then sort of naturally pushes the people that are at the elite end to maybe choose running as opposed to something like football or whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, I think if we if we raise the water level, then everybody floats a little higher. And so if you've got two million people doing it, you uh, if you raise that to three million, then the elite end will will grow as well. So grow the whole market and then you'll grow all aspects in terms of the elite end. There are Olympic champions out there. There's out there, out there. They just need to be, uh, to be shown the way. Absolutely. And that, that was one of the things that we did is as we started to make a profit. Um, so we introduced that last year. We've, we've created a grant scheme for, we've got an elite sport grant and then we've got a community sport grant. That we're, so we're trying to just put some money into the community to support new athletes to go further. And, you know, I, I would like to continue to do that. I mean, it's it's not a lot of money at the moment because we we aren't big enough to put in a lot of money. But we've always said that as we grow, we want to make sure that we support the community that we adopt, and we don't just want to take money out. We want to make sure that money goes back in somewhere. Um, so yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll have a grant scheme that will help a few people. And yeah, if everybody did that, then we'd all be. It would all grow. I can see another award coming on there, Mike. It's inspiring, <laughs> and I think that you know we, you know, I'm going to put myself in the, uh, the slightly older bracket now. But I think we have a responsibility, those of us who have enjoyed and taken out of the sport and the industry, and to actually make sure that the future looks good for the people as well. Now, we're going to finish off with some quick fires, Mike. Um, what do you see? And this is going to be a tough one for you. I think. What do you see as your greatest business achievement to date? Uh, the National Running Show. Um, it was easy. Yeah, it, it's just yeah. There, there's I've never done anything that I've been prouder of um, because yeah, it was something that we came up with, and it now exists and it's a thing and it's and it's real and I'm really really proud of it. Um, yeah, yeah, that was an easy that was an easy answer. In fact, and, and why not? That is a, it's an obvious one. But uh, how about I've, we've talked about the business in five years? Where do you see yourself? I mean, are you going to be? Are you going to be the Wizard of Oz kind of, you know, just making sure all these, these shows all over the world are happening and, um, or do you see yourself some tangential stuff going on and, you know, you becoming the czar, government czar for running or something, you know, what's, what's the future for Mike Seaman? To be honest, I, I think that I would like to think that I'm just overlooking and there's loads of people doing their jobs and I'm not interfering too much in, in the business, but I'm quite hands dirty. I like to get involved. I'm, I'm very involved. Uh, so yeah, I think I'll probably be doing exactly what I'm doing now. I hope so. Cause I love it. That's great. And, uh, I look forward to seeing, uh, all the developments of raccoon events. And of course, uh, with yourself over the next few years. Now the final one, Mike, tell us something about Mike Seaman that people wouldn't know. Oh, uh, well, I can't talk about running cause that's like literally all over Instagram. Uh, I once got struck by lightning. <laughs> this, that's that's pretty tough yeah it was uh You're still here to tell a tale so we're all right <laughs> yeah when i was um when i was i must be about 13 we did a uh one of those school trips where they take you um to france to like uh sort of and we were canoeing down the ardèche gorge and you did an overnight camp stay we had to make your own sort of camp and it's it sounds very glamorous it really wasn't and it was you know but there was a, a tap in the middle of the field and you had to go and get 
water. It was metal tap in the middle of a field and he had to go and get water for cooking with. And uh, so I went over to the tap and to fill up the saucepan that we were cooking with. And as I pressed the button, it was luckily a push button thing. It got struck by lightning. And I, I don't, I, it felt like someone had hit me in the back with a big rock. Uh, I don't really remember what happened, but apparently I went backwards a bit and I sort of remember it from, there was like a little office on this, this campsite thing that we were staying on where we were making our own stuff. And I just remember sort of being sat in there and then just all the teachers were around me and all of my mates were like stood around. It's like just really weird. (laughs) It was like the best bit was the teacher trying to explain to my mum when we got back home as to why he'd sent me to a metal tap. Yeah, so there's let's get this right, Mike. There's 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 a metal tap. There's water involved, and and there's lightning. <laughs> You've got a beautiful, perfect recipe. So. It's a good story, isn't it? It's like it's it's not many people know that. Right? Well, you live to tell a tale, and uh, you know it's probably made you who you are today, Mike. It's been a real pleasure. Um, I've enjoyed it, and I'm grateful for you taking your time out ahead of a, hopefully a year in 2021 where we get back to. I won't use the word normality but certainly get back to the good old days of people hugging and high-fiving, as you put it. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me on, mate. So that's it for episode 11 of the Running Industry Podcast with this week's guest, Mike Seaman, the CEO of Raccoon Events, the organisers of the National Running Show. We'd like to wish Mike and all of the team at Raccoon the very best of luck as they negotiate their way through 2021 and beyond. Remember that reviews and ratings also really help the podcast in gaining exposure. So it would be great if you could give us a rating and a review. And of course, make sure that you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can follow us on social media via at Run Industry. A quick mention again that we'd be really grateful for any support via Patreon. Links are in the show notes and on the website at runningindustrypodcast.com where you can catch all of the episodes of the show. Keep listening, keep spreading the word and we'll keep making the podcast. I'm Matt Ward and the Running Industry Podcast is an Amplify production. Thanks for listening and until the next time, goodbye.